Isaiah chapter 59. I uh, mentioned in the 9 o'clock hour, I don't have an outline today. I, I, I don't usually have this organized, uh, alliterated uh, you know, sermon. I don't have that today. I have more of an unorganized rant. Uh, so, you know, it's, that's just how it is today. I, it's not, not purposed. I tried to put together a, uh, a way to be able to deliver what we need to deliver today, but uh, it just seems to be very difficult to really put it into an outline. But I will say this as, as we're moving through this. Isaiah chapter 59 will give you somewhat of a, an insight to the dangers of what we're facing today. Uh, and uh, I, I don't want to... Um, uh, lay anyone down on the railroad tracks, but uh, we, we, we have to understand the, the peril uh, that we're in today and have, if you would, an, an understanding of our, res- our responsibility, uh, our answer, if you would, to what we're, we're seeing in our culture today. Uh, and as you know, our culture and, uh, is changing. It's always changed, uh, but uh, things have happened even as of this week that have had uh, even a, a, an, another turn further from truth. Isaiah 59 will kind of give you a little bit of what happened, especially in Judah, uh, that uh, is very troubling uh, as we see that happening here in America. Uh, Isaiah 59, verse number 12, uh, for our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us, uh, for our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. You know, we know them. In verse 13, in transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, uh, conceiving and uttering from the heart, watch, watch this, words of what? Falsehood. And the judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. For, why? For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth. If I could just stop right there for a second, just, that's a sad statement right there. Yes, truth faileth. That, that's sad. How'd that happen? How does truth fail? Well, there's a, uh, there's a semicolon here. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. You pray with me and for me this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to stand before again your people, your sheep, the sheep of your pasture. And I thank you for the opportunity to live in a country we have lived in, enjoy the freedoms that we've enjoyed for over 244 years. So we pray you'd help us, guide us, give us our responsibility, give us our marching orders. We know that uh, your coming is soon. We're excited to be able to commission three or four more, Lord, to do your work. And I pray you'd help us, Lord, as we are uh, challenged by the word of God, as our cult- country and our culture continues to erode. Uh, help us, Lord, to be the light. Help us to be the salt. Help us to be the people of truth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to talk this morning on uh, the freedom of speech, and I know we're, we're, we're running out of time, and I, I don't have time to, to really finish this lesson. I may actually take this and, and take this rambling rant to next week. We'll have to see. But uh, the freedom of speech, and I think there is a great cost uh, when our voices are silenced, a great cost to our nation, a great cost, a cost to our churches, a great col- a cost to our culture and our families. But in addition to the blatant censorship on Twitter, on FB, all right, on, uh, on, on YT, which we're on right now, 
uh, we are uh, we're being censored. We're being monitored what we say. And uh, we're uh, we're being watched, if you would. America should be in shock today. We should uh, sit in awe of what happened even this week when uh, when Representative Green was voted off the uh, committees today. Uh, when I might when a majority can squash a minority squash a voice. Uh, something that was she said in private two years ago can be brought up and used against her, really illegally, uh, unconstitutionally, uh, to silence the, that voice, uh, silence that influence there uh, in our country's uh, forging. Uh, I've got the representatives' names, the, the Republicans that actually voted against her, uh, and I'm going to provide those on our website. I'm going to encourage you to call them and let them know your disappointment in their vote. Uh, they're rhinos. Uh, rhinos are Republican in name only is what it means. They're just, they're, they, they have no standards. They have no, uh, they have, they're, they're not con- conserving anything. The, the core definition of a conservative is one that uh, conserves what has been. They're conserving what has been given to them. Uh, and the core definition of a liberal is one that lets it go and uh, wants change. And so these rhinos that uh, had voted to uh, take her off the committees uh, are, are liberals in disguise, and I think we need to call them. But the majority did not agree, so the minority was squashed. And this sets a dangerous precedence in the future. This sets a dangerous precedence uh, for us today. And I believe as God's people, uh, when we have the voice of truth, we will always dissent. We will be dissenting voices to, to deceit. We will always be dissenting voices to that which is against truth. We always have to do that, regardless if it's free or, or not free. Uh, dissenting voices now, as we know, uh, to the political machine are, are being heavily censored. And the dissenting voices against the uh, political correctness are being heavily censored. Uh, dissenting voices against the mainstream medical community, uh, community are being uh, censored. Uh, we are, as you know, being censored, and uh, our believers are being censored, and our voices are being silenced, and our churches, as we know, are being watched. Uh, we know of one up here, not far from here, uh, that are being monitored by uh, the authorities in their local areas. I know of one that my, my uh, son informed me of, of a, a, a roommate of his or a friend of his in college. Their church has a police officer come in to the church to make sure that they're operating uh, under the mandates that they were asked to operate under. Your livelihood, if you're a believer here today and you post anything online of what you believe about the final authority in your life, the Word of God, your livelihood, your livelihood, what you do will come under attack uh, unless you conform. And so I would say this, that the First Amendment is being shredded before our very eyes. Uh, what we've had for the last 244 years is being taken away. Free speech will invariably be gone. And there's a reason for that. And so if you believe something contrary to the uh, majority, you're going to be banished, mocked, and ridiculed. And I'm saying that the First Amendment now, as we know, is being challenged, it's being shredded, and it's not even being hidden of what they're doing today. And so censorship is now the new norm. So I want to kind of walk you back a little bit in our nation's history. And again, I'm going to be running out of time to really develop this. And if you leave here this morning and say, Pastor, hey, you didn't bring too much of the word today. I would have done that if I had more time. But I want you to at least be challenged by American history, what we've been given. The original Bill of Rights contained 10 amendments. And I praise God for that. 
Uh, the First Amendment protects the religious freedom, uh, freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, the freedom to have assemblies like we're having today, and the freedom to petition our government with any grievances. There was nine more amendments given uh, by the colonies uh, uh, in addition to the First Amendment. Uh, but our founding fathers knew that, uh, that if these were not constitutionally protected, they would be gone. And, uh, and that's the reason that uh, uh, they're, uh, they were so adamant that these Bill of Rights be placed inside uh, and underneath the umbrella of the Constitution that we have been living under for these last two 144 uh, years. But there is a reason why in the First Amendment that the freedom of speech and the uh, freedom of religion or the establishment of religion are in the same amendment. That's not by accident. Uh, That is by purpose, on purpose. I want you to note here that uh, when free speech uh, is no longer uh, uh, protected, then we will have no religious freedom. I'll say it again. When free speech is no longer protected under our Constitution, we will be like China. We will be like North Korea. We will be like nations that uh, have to meet secretly to be able to preach the word of God because religious freedom will also be gone. And so without free speech, we will eventually have no freedom of religion. And behind that, is naturally the persecution that will come to the church. Now, I want to remind you today that 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, the Apostle Paul, as he was being persecuted for what he was uh, speaking, verse 11, he says, Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all of the Lord delivered me. Yea, here's what he says in verse 12. And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I don't want to be persecuted. I don't sign up to be persecuted. But if you live a godly life, you mark it down, you will be persecuted. And that in verse 13 says, but evil, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. A few years ago, as I mentioned, uh, a couple of uh, months ago, a few years ago, uh, we were sitting down with Louis Gomer. Uh, he was a he's a Republican uh, congressman from Texas, the great state of Texas, and and uh, and he kind of laid out for us and reminded us preachers of uh, of what we've had for 244 years. He said uh, uh, that uh, uh, we are living in a very small window of time when it has been relatively easy to be a Christian. He says, but that will change. And it is invariably changing as we see it today. So very interesting reminder. We've lived a a pretty easy life. That's why any books on persecution, any books on the threat of religious freedom, uh, uh, though it may be bestsellers overseas in America, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to read it. They don't want to accept it. They don't want to feel and face what is coming because they've had such an easy life and such a wonderful freedom to worship God. But all of, as I said, all of that is being challenged today. But a little history lesson, I think, would help us to kind of understand a little depth of what we're here for. And we would not be here uh, had it not been for the First Amendment. 
1778, in Orange County, Virginia, uh, there was a Baptist by the name of Reverend John Leland. He got saved earlier in life up in Massachusetts, and he felt a calling on, on his life. And, uh, and, the, and then, of course, he moved down to Virginia and, uh, and uh, gaining, started preaching a, a First Baptist Church there in Culpeper, Virginia. But he was a traveling evangelist, a pastor, and, and people loved him, man. The guy was not too eloquent. Uh, but man, the guy was a fireball and the, and the people loved to hear him preach. He is, was engaging, uh, to listen to, very popular, and his sermons were, were very, uh, uh, very much controversial. Well, he preached everywhere he went. Uh, he, uh, he of course was a Baptist and the Baptists loved him. Uh, he preached to the common man. And the common man would come out and listen to him. When they put him in prison, they would listen to him preach from the bar, uh, from behind the bars. As he preached out of the, out of the, the, the jail cell, the people would gather outside of the jail cell as he preached. And they would have to light fires and, and deter people from the uh, smoke to push him back because they couldn't get the preacher to shut up. Just a preaching machine. But the Baptists uh, uh, were being uh, challenged. They were in, of course, the heavily concentrated in Virginia, but they were all up and down uh, the colonies. And the Baptists rejected a couple of things that the mainstream culture did not. Uh, the Baptists rejected paying taxes to the Anglican church. Uh, they believed that, uh, that they should not take their tax dollars and pay the clergy of the Anglican church and pray for pop, property for the Anglican church. And the Ang- Anglican church was ba- basically a cleaned up virgin, a version of the Catholic church. It was just the, uh, the, the, the uh, England church of England uh, basically selling its, if you would, self inside the colonies and tax, tax money was being uh, delivered to them paying their clergy. The Baptists said, we're not paying. We're not paying the taxes to that. And so that was a big issue in, in Virginia. They, 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 they were, they were hot, they were hot, uh, attacked. Uh, they were, uh, uh, they were, their properties were seized. They would come and burn their buildings and sell their buildings to pay their tax debt. They also did not believe in uh, having a license to preach. They, they rejected the, the fact that they needed to appeal to a state to get a license to be able to preach the gospel. And they rejected that. And because these unlicensed Baptist preachers and these Baptists were, were just standing against the culture, they were being heavily, heavily persecuted. And this is something that wasn't new. They were suffering persecution for about uh, 80 to 90 years, uh, starting back in the late 1600s, they uh, started having more pressure on them. They just did not conform to the religious culture of that day. They were different. Uh, they, they had a final authority, and their final authority wasn't the Anglican church or some other church or even the government. Their final authority was God's word. And so because of that, the, the persecution continued to get worse and worse and worse until it peaked around 1770 into 1780. And they were arrested. There was 42. Uh, they're estimated maybe as high as 45 pastors in the state of Virginia alone that were arrested. Some of these pastors had their ears cut off. Some of these pastors were martyred. In fact, if you go back in history, we have a, uh, uh, we remember uh, uh, Patrick Henry's famous statement, give me liberty or give me death. Well, he said that in a court defending a Baptist preacher while they're in prison. And ladies and gentlemen, I would dare say, even though he was a Presbyterian, he believed in religious freedom. And these Baptists says, we're not, we, we are not going to bow down to, uh, to the government. We're not going to kiss the ring, so to speak. And so, uh, because of that, they were just, if you would, 
persecuted. Well, John Leland was one of those guys that they're really attaching themselves to. They loved him. He was a fiery preacher. He told it like it was. He wasn't backing off. He wasn't backing down. He was in prison for his beliefs. And so that's kind of, if you would, the religious climate in Virginia. And this state right here in Virginia is a huge, huge, important step in changing our culture. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a good crowd here today. We would not be here today had this event not happened in Virginia in 1778. So the political climate is a little bit volatile also. Uh, up there in uh, Philadelphia, James Madison, he's representing the, uh, the state of Virginia. And as you would, as fate would have it, he's from Orange County. His father lives in Orange County, Virginia. And, uh, and he is a representative from Orange County. And, uh, and he actually is one of the, uh, the, the, the writers of the Constitution and the amendments. And, and so they met, the uh, Constitutional Congress met uh, in Philadelphia. You can go there today and you can sit in some of the seats that they sat in or just a few uh, feet away from the seats that uh, Benjamin Franklin and others would have sat in and debated and put together and forged the, what we have today as the Constitution. And they finished, if you would, agreeing upon a document that would be what we have today and we have uh, uh, governed, been governed by for the last 244 years. But uh, the common man, uh, the, the, the colonies, uh, needed to understand the Constitution. And so they put together uh, by Madison writing out Federalist papers to, uh, if you would, explain what the Constitution is and the thought that goes behind the Constitution. It would be something like the Federalist papers would be like the Constitutional uh, for Dummies. That's what it would. It would kind of be one of those, uh, kind of help us to unpack it and understand it. The common man, the guy in the field to come out of it. What's happening? And so when these, these Federalist papers would come into these colonies, uh, uh, they're sending out, if you would, the Constitution to these 13 colonies and say, hey, what do you think about this? And, and before we ratify it, we need to have the colonies understand a kind of what it is. And so you can imagine it would be like uh, uh, today, uh, uh, the new news, uh, breaking news. And boy, they're, they're off the printing press. They would read these Federalist papers. And, and when John Leland read uh, the Constitution and understood the words of the Constitution, he became an anti-constitutionalist, anti-federalist. Okay. Uh, though he was a blood, he was, he was, uh, uh, he was a patriot, but he was now against the Constitution. And his reasons were very clear. He laid them out of why he was against the Constitution. There was no provision for religious freedom. There was no provision for freedom of speech. He understood that. The Baptists understood that. And he argued against the Constitution. And so what they wanted from, from, from Philadelphia is, hey, please just agree to this and we'll put the Constitution together and we'll go ahead and have a government under this constitution while we had to pay taxes to the anglican church while we had to be licensed by the states uh, uh, there in that time and they said no we're not going to do it baptist said we're going to stand against it uh, we're not going to agree with that well something happened here in virginia uh, that would change the direction of our country today uh, these baptists began to speak out against the constitution and because of that uh, they were not protecting the freedom of religion and freedom of speech there was a sort of an uprising and john leland wasn't the only preacher there was other pastors there were there were voices against it dissenting voices against what was happening and uh, and so news got back to madison madison's in new york at this time Madison receives a letter from his father, dated January 30th, 1788. Here's what it says. I have an excerpt of it. I had to pull this off of, uh, of, of Penn State archives to read it to you today. I'm not going to read all of the letter. Here's what it says. Quote, the Baptists are now generally opposed to the Constitution. 
I think you had better come in as early as March as you can. Many of our friends wish it. And there are some who uh, suspends their opinions until they see you and wish for an explanation. Others wish you not to come and will endeavor to shut you out of the convention to better carry their point. In other words, um, Madison's seat was coming up for election before the, the, the ratification of the, of the, uh, of the uh, Constitution. And so he could lose his seat and he would not have representation from Virginia. So that's the first letter. He gets another letter from James Gordon, Jr. Uh, this is another Orange County Federalist candidate. And uh, here's what he says, quote, take the liberty uh, as your friend to solicit your attendance at Orange Court or election. The sentiments of the people of Orange are much divided. Uh, and it says here, upon the whole, sir, I think it is incumbent on your, uh, uh, on your, uh, on you without delay to repair to the state as a loss of the constitution. This state may involve, listen to this, consequences the most alarming to every citizen in America. You know, you need to get back here. He got one, one more letter, the third letter, from a man named Joseph Spencer. I'm not going to read that whole letter, but here's what Joseph Spencer basically said. The Baptist, the Baptist, uh, the preachers of the society are alarmed. And you need to come and calm them down. And then he recommends something very interesting to Madison. Here's what he says. Uh, Mr. Leland's farm lies in your way from Fredericksburg to Orange. We would advise you to call on him and spend a few hours in his company. Amen. Amen. Very interesting. So here comes James Madison. He shows up at uh, Pastor Leland's house or his farm. His wife was there in the house and his history unfolds. She says he's not here. He's out in the woods praying. And Madison went out in the woods and found Mr. Leland, and we don't know what that conversation was, but I guarantee that Madison was coming there to convince Leland of the Constitution, but he left there being convinced by Leland the changing and putting the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment specifically. He laid out for Madison what his dissenting voice was, and then he became an, an agreement with the Constitution and an agreement with uh, James Madison. The election went forward. James Madison won by 15 votes. 15 votes, and they went on to keep his word and put in the First Amendment. Now, that's how we got that from a bunch of crazy Baptists that said we're not going to conform to this. Now, I want to kind of lay for you this morning, why would they do that? What is the purpose? I would say this. I'm not saying the Presbyterians or the Lutherans or the, or the, uh, uh, or the Greek Orthodox or any other religion in our colonies, even the Jewish people, that they would not have known the book. But I tell you this. These Baptists understood something that they did not understand. They understood persecution. And they were coming at this thing as this. We have been persecuted for the last 90 years. Something has got to change. Something has got to move. And so why Leland and the Virginia Baptists are so up in arms because they believed in religious freedom and they believed in freedom of speech. And there's a reason for that. If you look in Romans chapter one, if you would, chapter one, verse 18, chapter one, verse 18. I want you to note a couple of verses here. Again, this is just a pastoral ramble. Is that okay? All right. Verse 18, the Bible says this, Romans 1, verse 18. Kind of explain this and unpack this for you if you would. Romans 1, 18, the Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of who? 
men. Thank you for talking back to me. Good. Of men. And here's what they'll do, comma, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And so what do these un, it's unrighteousness and ungodliness, what is it doing? It's holding, it's suppressing, it's pushing the truth. And look at the preposition in unrighteousness. And so what they're essentially saying in Romans 1 is that we don't want to have truth. We want unrighteousness. And then it says in verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them. And so here's these, uh, here's these uh, people, uh, these, uh, this unrighteousness, this ungodliness that knows better. They know better. You realize that everyone that has ever been born knows that there's a God. It's manifest in them. You don't have to, you don't have to convince a little child that there's a God. They know there's someone out there. They know there's a God. And they, they, uh, these ungodly people and this unrighteousness knows that there is a God that they're going to have to answer to. There's a God that they're going to have to stand before. And so what they're essentially saying is, we don't want the truth. Why? We want unrighteousness. They are holding the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 20. And more evidence for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. He says, listen, ladies and gentlemen, he says, I know you want to hold the truth in unrighteousness. I know you want your sin, but you cannot deny that there is a God out there. He has created everything that you've seen, even his eternal power and Godhead is on display for you to know that there is truth that you're going to have to answer to one day because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened and it goes on as they continue to resist and push and stop the truth they be given over to a reprobate mind to do the things that are not convenient and ladies and gentlemen I say this real quick as I say as I say truth here has been declared by the unrighteous has been declared by the ungodly that which needs to be resisted I won't have you turn there, but in Psalm chapter 2, you'll find almost a stated goal. It says in verse number 2, the kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their pans asunder and cast their cords from us. In other words, here's the kings of the earth. They're taking counsel. They're getting together and say, we don't want God. We don't want his people. Let's take them out. So it breaks down to this, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm out of time. It breaks down to this. It breaks down to truth and error or lies colliding. That's what it breaks down to. The good thing to ask as you look at this blatant censorship today is that we are being silenced for a reason. The voices of truth are being silenced for a reason. And truth is the only thing that can stand against a lie. It's the only thing. Why? Because truth divides. Truth will mess you up, man, in a, in a good way. <laughs> It'll turn you upside down. The Bible says it's a sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You realize your heart is wicked. Don't even tell me you know your heart. You don't know your heart. It's wicked. The Bible says who can know it? But I tell you what does know your heart and what can give your heart discernment is the word of God. It's able to divide. It's able to rip apart. It's able to make, if you would, the thoughts and intents of the heart known. Oh, I didn't know that was in my heart. That's what the Word of God does. The Word of God divides. It exposes. The Word of God is light. The truth of God's Word hinders deception. It hinders sin. It hinders 
even the very work of Satan. And where there is less truth, there is more sin. Where there is more censorship, can I say it this way? With all the biblical uh, authority behind what I'm about to say. The more censorship, the more satanic activity. That's why Isaiah 59 is very clear. The danger that comes when truth has fallen in the street. If you have your finger back there, go to Isaiah 59 quickly. I'll just remind you of verse 15. I skipped over it, but uh, now that you've given me more time, I just sense you want me to have a little more time. So I'm just, I, I can sense that. I just, I can feel it, man. All right. In verse number 15, the Bible says here in Isaiah 59, the Bible says, yea, truth faileth. It faileth. And ha- what, what happens when truth fails? And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. What, is, what a powerful statement that is. In verse number 15 of Isaiah 59. Here's essentially what it says. One guy some wakes, wakes up one day and says, you know what? I don't want to do this evil anymore. I don't want to do this sin anymore. I want to get right with God. I want to submit to truth. And as soon as he does that, he makes himself a prey. Now, honestly, you understand what a prey is. It's something that's being hunted. It's something that's being looked at. It's something that's going to try to be devoured by something else, a prey. So when someone stands up and says, I, I want to do right, you're going to immediately get your head chopped off. I mean, spiritually speaking, but maybe literally later. You're going to be banished. You're going to be hated. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be mocked. Why? Because you're simply saying, I don't want to do wrong anymore. I want to do right. Yes. You make yourself a prey. When truth falls in the street, when someone wants to do right, you guarantee persecution's coming. And so when truth is gone, you'll make yourself a prey. That's why we're not even going to open these verses up. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. You unpack those verses about the Antichrist, the son of perdition being revealed. And you'll find that uh, only he who now letteth will let that Holy Spirit of God. The word let or letting is holding back the work of Satan, holding back the work of lies, holding back the work of deception. And that Holy Spirit of God is, is working the truth. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. It's the spirit of light. Amen. And he is holding back Satan. Holding back the darkness until he be taken out of the way. And then that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the brightness of his coming. And ladies and gentlemen, as God's people, we understand truth is colliding with error and lies. That's why the Bible says very clearly that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. We know this. We know that we're living in the last days. We know there's going to be more sin tomorrow than there is today. More lies tomorrow than there is today. More deceit tomorrow than there is today. But the only thing that can combat that is the truth of God's word. Now, I would say this. I would say this. If I believed the lie of Satan, I would hate the truth of God. I would hate it. If you tell me that there's only two genders... And I did not believe that. I would hate someone to tell me that there's only two genders. If you tell me that uh, a lifestyle uh, of sodomy is wrong, it's an abomination of God, and I believe that it was right, I would hate someone to tell me that it was wrong. I would hate that. Why? Because it is combating, it is, it is, it is, it is uh, 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 assaulting the lies of the devil. And so you'll find here the truth does something that nothing else can do. No part of our intellect or our personality can fight the lies. It must come from the truth of God's word. So two simple thoughts. If I could just give it to you and you go home and drink some coffee on it if you like. Or worry about it. 
That's what uh, uh, Pastor Ruckman uh, used his, word, his name. Uh, he said, let, me give, let me give you something to worry about. <laughs> God allows, number one, God allows lies to be spoken freely. Wow. Yeah, he does. In fact, he gave the devil the stage right there. What he said, yea, hath God said, question God's word, ye shall not be, ye shall not die, ye shall be as gods. It's a lie and it's a false promise. Three things right there in Genesis chapter 3. He says, you've you, you got to listen to me. You're, you're being lied to by God. Why did God let him t- say that? Why, why, why didn't God just say, shut your mouth, Lucifer, shut your mouth, uh, 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 Satan. Uh, these are mine. These are my children. She's innocent. She's not sinned. Uh, uh, she, is my, the, she is my creation. Adam is her husband. I have a perfect environment. I'm going to shut you up. He didn't do it. He allowed Satan to say what he wanted to say. So God is not for censorship. Satan challenged everything God says, and the fall came at a great cost. And God knew that. There would be two two additional enemies to man in addition to Satan. Now, after the fall, we have the world and now the flesh, two additional enemies that now the, the man has to deal with after uh, us being seduced by the serpent and have, having been deceived, at least the woman being deceived. The man wasn't in deception. He followed her right into it. And he, 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 was, he said, essentially, I'd rather live with this woman than, than to uh, rather, I'd rather die with this woman than to live with my God. And so Satan, as you know, started his whole mantra with lying. He's working. And his primary weapon is against God's children. So number one, simply put, Satan allows free speech. And I'm using the word allows purposely. Number two, this is where you come in. Satan allows, or rather God allows Satan to say anything he wants. But watch this. God commands you and I to speak truth. That's the only thing that can fight against lies. So this has been the collision course for the last 6,000 years. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Realize that God gives pastors, God gives teachers, God gives evangelists. What is he doing? To give them truth. To help them. Because they're being deceived. They have slate of men, uh, 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 personalities that are able to come and pull. Well, that does sound right. And that sounds true. And the preacher and God's people say, no. The word of God is true. So freedom of speech is a biblical concept. So if I were to get into John Leland's study, which, by the way, you can download his written sermons. I have not been able to do that. I want to, I want to write, read every John Leland sermon I can find. If you find one, let me have it. I want to get into his study because he knew. And those Baptist preachers knew the truth is the only thing that can stand against lies. Okay? Truth. And by the way, can I just lay this down while I'm here? QAnon is not necessarily true. Let me just lay that here and say, and say well, oh, well, I guess, no, QAnon, we don't know if he's true or not. 
All the conspiracy theories, watch this. You can take those things if you want, throw them in a trash can for all I care. This book is absolutely true. Can I just say that as a pastor? Stop with the conspiracies. They may be true. They may not be true. But I don't rest on those. I rest on this book right here. And so when religious freedom and censorship is coming, I'm saying that we have, biblically speaking, a mandate to speak truth. Mandate to speak truth. And freedom of speech as defined and given to us in the first and 14th amendments was given to us with, if you would, a great warning to the future generations that if these are gone, you will not have religious freedom. You will not have the freedom of speech. That's why he says we hold these truths to be self-evident. Praise God. About five years ago, uh, Representative Lankford stepped in. He's a, he's a strong, strong constitutionalist, a believer. And I will say this, that any government that suppresses truth and promotes deceit is following a satanic path. Any government, the law that guarantees its citizens the right to speak truth aligns with the biblical principles. And so freedom of speech does not guarantee that lies will not be told, but it does protect truth to be told. Now, Senator for Langford sat down and he says, you show me one major biblical character that did not have some influence in this government and I'll be very surprised. And he was right. You find God's people need to have a voice to the government. I don't know where it is in our mindset, especially with the boomers. I don't know you boomers or I don't know. You went out, you went out to lunch back in the 60s. You probably haven't recovered. And so if you, if, you, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. <laughs> okay? And so some of these boomers are going out to lunch on this thing, and they're just, uh, I have people stop me sometimes after the service and say, Pastor, you just went over the line. You're going to lose your tax exemption. I don't care. Okay. Not here to apologize to anybody. I'm not here for anyone to be happy with me. I'm not trying to be a rebel rouser, but I'm simply saying God's people need to be people of truth. I had a guy come up to me at the Bible study, just, and, and I'm saying this in a gracious way because I speak as a man right now. It ticked me off. And I knew it. My spirit wasn't right. The guy said something wrong. Yes. Why do you have to be so political? And I just kind of let him have it. And uh, it's been kind of tense ever since for him. But his pastor came up and said, thank you. <laughs> Speak the truth in love. That's what we're here for. You know, Joseph, Joseph spoke the truth to Pharaoh. Listen, if Joseph did not get in Pharaoh's face and say, you know what, we're going to have some really hard times, but we're going to have some real good times. You better get ready. That was truth. God gave him truth, and Pharaoh listened. Moses spoke to Pharaoh. He said, it's going to cost you a lot if you don't let us go. That's truth. Uh, Micaiah, remember they took, they took Micaiah out of prison. They pulled him up and said, no, Micaiah, there's 400 other preachers. They all said the same thing. We want you to say the same thing. Now, you know, the ministerial association that we're part of, we just want, and, and they, we just want you to say the same thing. They, that's all we want you to do. He said, I'll speak the truth. 
Jehoshaphat. Jeremiah spoke to Zedekiah. They put him in prison for it. Elisha spoke to Naaman the leper, the military commander. And Elijah spoke to Ahab. He said, it's not going to rain for three years. Oh, listen to what I say. How about that? Jesus spoke to Herod through someone else. He says, tell that fox. How about that? Jesus spoke to Pilate. Paul spoke to Felix Festus and Agrippa and most likely Caesar. I'm saying this, ladies and gentlemen, when this church gets silent, the sin will go higher. I've asked Joe Greiner, I said, I want all 11 dissenting voices or the voices that voted against Green. I want you, I want them. And I'm going to give those to our church. And I want all the freedom fighters there in Washington that we're going to call all of them. Let, you, let, us know, we're, let them know we're praying for you. Amen. We're praying for you. We're people of truth. We're pre- people of the book. It doesn't mean we leave here and be hateful. No. Speak the truth in love. Truth doesn't need your anger. I found that out the hard way. Truth stands on its own. It's its own principle. It can work. It can do things that nothing else can do. But people need truth. I sat before a committee of representatives down to State House, and we were um, defending the life from the womb, quoted verses out of the Bible. And uh, I got to preaching. <laughs> this is how it was. It's, it's hard not to preach when you're reading the Bible, but started preach. And I guess the voice that, you know, I wasn't mic'd or anything, but the stone walls and the marble kind of echoed down the hallway. And uh, one of the senators said, well, my preacher tells me that judge not that you be not judged. And, of course, let her know that's a total, total misapplication of that verse. It doesn't tell you not to judge. It tells you how to judge. So thank you, Pastor Shepherd. You're dismissed. So went outside. One little old lady came up to me. She says, are you Pastor Shepherd? I said, yes, ma'am. And she's tears come out of her eyes. She says, I, you don't know me. She says, I sat out here for years. I have not heard preaching and God's word echoing through these halls in all these years. That's an indictment against us. We got these. Truth is truth. Don't cave to lies. And truth will stand the test of time. And it has. That's why Ephesians 6.20 says for the Apostle Paul, and I'm finished with this verse. For I'm an ambassador in bonds. You stop right there for a second. I'm not free. I'm in bonds, but I'm an ambassador. What's an ambassador? A spokesperson. Person. He says that therein I may speak boldly. As I ought speak. There you go. Doesn't matter if they imprison you. Doesn't matter if they tell you you can't say it, you say it anyway. Because truth is truth, and we have to answer to holy God one day of what we do with our voices. The words of Christ. Wonderful words. And so again, just a little rant uh, from the preacher today, but I will say this. If obedience to the principle makes people hate us, or gets us thrown in jail, or even killed, we never back down. Never. Because this world is not our home. 
I was uh, in the all-night prayer meeting on Friday night, and, you know, we sing these songs, and we don't even realize how many these songs are so, there are they're, they're, they're many of them written under, under duress and difficult times. And one of the songs that we picked last uh, on Friday night is Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And I'm reading this song, and I'm like, I sing this all the time. And I have not really pondered the words that we, God's people, need to stand up. Stand up for truth. Defend truth. And so that puts us with the responsibility to know truth. To know truth. To read truth. I want to use a really bad word here, and this is going to be a censored word in the Baptist community. We need to memorize truth. (laughs) Hide it in your heart. The Bible says, gird up the loins with truth. Hold it in. Sharpen your swords. Because you're going to need it, and I'm going to need it.